Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this is greg olson inviting you to check out my new blue wire podcast te1 where i interview tight ends throughout the history of the nfl who have helped revolutionize the position TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to yet another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, as always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan, and it's going to be the Liverpool match review this time. But let's be honest, you already knew that that was coming. Uh, so to kick it off, Dan is this new little game. He's doing the three-word match review. He's really trying to get it to stick and... Um, it's hard for me to argue that it's not sticking when there's 47 replies to this tweet, Dan, that it is not sticking. So uh, you go ahead and maybe rattle off a couple of your favorites. We'll tell you that you missed a couple gems and then we can we can move on. But some <laughs> initial reactions. These are hot takes fresh out the gate. We need them. I think you're, you're downplaying it, which is unfortunate because we're getting close to hundo. We're getting close to triple digit <laughs> responses in this. So... Yeah, I think there's a lot of really good ones. I think a couple people call it Mendy, which uh, no surprise given the situation here. Um, Tamori is God from Daniel J. Cooper. That was a, that was a good one. Uh, Keppa plane ticket from Edgeson Tom. That was uh, something that I think our friend Gabe Marco also talked about the taxi cab, which uh, early season sloppy from the football car, which was also a good one. Uh, yeah. Life moves on from the Hakim Ziyech fan account, uh, Petros underscore Philos eight. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones in here, Nick. I think there were a lot of really good responses to it. I'm glad that everyone took this well. <laughs> I mean, it's we were we were talking in the group text all all match, and it had a couple of flare ups. Just to just to be honest, we do that occasionally, and. I think you guys were surprised with how relatively positive I came out of this match with. And look, I mean, it, it's fine to be upset. I think it's just the second game of the year. Like, th- we are clearly not at, at the peak of our powers for the season. So, uh, yeah, relatively positive from me, which is rare. Well, I, I wouldn't say positive. I feel like it's it's lukewarm Nick Verlaney, and no one expects the lukewarm Nick Verlaney. The amount like, of like who settled. are you tweets I got was uh, hilarious. Actually, like they thought was, you got was, hacked by a Russian yeah, bot. <laughs> well done. <laughs> got to check on welfare check on Nick. Make sure it's uh, it's the same guy. I mean, I guess Nick, yours was should have drawn. That obviously kind of shows your underlying uh, mm-hmm. narrative that we'll see here. Nick, you're imperfect but incomplete. Obviously, talking a lot back to um, the the lack of maybe options coming coming on the roster. I put bring back Fabregas. I mean, if you, if you brought him back, it'd probably solve a lot of problems right now. Uh, the, those balls and over the top would be hit very early. Um, but it's going it's to be lots to kind of tee this up. So we appreciate the the hot takes. Appreciate the uh, the initial the initial kind of reactions. Um, but we're going to get into a lot of it. Obviously, uh, the plan. What was the plan to beat Liverpool? 
uh, if there even was one. Of course there was one, but, you know, did it even really take off? The re- return of Fakao Tamori in Kepa's not so great day. Obviously, we can't avoid that. Uh, and then, obviously, what question- questions we're still asking ourselves. So uh, before we get into it, gentlemen, as always, we have to kick it off with a little bit of gratitude for when you, our listeners, and our audience help us. We owe it to you to thank you. And that starting off with Dennis, Jackson, Richard, and Travis joining us on Patreon and Discord already been able to interact with some of you looking forward to the rest of you dan the apple podcast train is continuing on as well yeah it is it's pretty cool we're actually getting close to 1000 1000 <sighs> reviews just in the u.s apple podcast store so we're we're over that in worldwide we're like almost 1400 worldwide which is pretty impressive as well but we would love it's only about 30 more reviews we need. So if you're thinking, and you look at your device, you're listening to this podcast, hey, I haven't left a five-star review yet, you could be that 1,000th person that we need to get to the Comma Club of Apple Podcast Reviews. We'd like to get to the Comma Club. We'd like to have four digits in our review total. Who helped us this week was Summit Fan, Kazooie994, NATO789, Finye2319, A.H. Ali, uh, organized with a couple of Z's in there, Indie Dog Walker, Matt Waity, and then Jay, Bear, uh, Jay Barrett, Bristol26, all leaving five-star reviews from the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K. Thank you very much for doing so. Uh, Indie Dog Walker, I just have a lot of ideas in my head running, so I'm bringing back to you, Nick. Um, you actually weren't on the the, the pod that we kind of discussed it, but we've joined Blue Wire, which is exciting. Um, and it has a couple of really big changes because we no longer can decide what goes into the script, right? Yeah, they completely control everything. Um, so that's a big change from what we were doing before where we wrote our own scripts and stuff. They've taken over for Dan, which is super helpful for the rest of us. <laughs> um, no, we're, we're really pumped. The Blue Wire Network, we, we've been in, in con, uh, conversation with them for a long time. And, you know, they're a, a sports first podcast network. Uh, we have a really good vibe with them. We're going to do some new ad reads. Obviously, you guys have kind of heard that as if you if you listen to the, the Liverpool preview. But more more importantly for you guys, you won't you won't notice anything as you're listening to this because it'll just show up in your feed. But joining Blue Wire has allowed us to do some really, really cool stuff. Um, and you'll see a little video perhaps on the socials over the next day or so of what we're going to plan to do but we have some popular guests that we're going to bring onto the show uh in in a frequent cadence this year including uh, a good friend of the show naz kinsella dan joining the show at least once a month as he stated in his in his manchester accent he's ready to go right he is ready to go once a month which is exciting and i think the another one that's really exciting is we got so much feedback, positive feedback, with a couple of times we've had Phil on, who's uh, better known potentially as at Chelsea Youth last season, the times we had him on. We're going to be bringing him on once a month now to talk about all things the academy, the U18s, U23s, maybe even the lower levels, players on loan. He's got a wonderful array of perspectives. And then I think the other one that we've got, Brandon, is we've got a pretty good trio of guests here that fans are going to hear very regularly this season. Right. The third person rounding out uh, our immediate opportunities that we have seized is Matt Law. All right. From The Telegraph. He's going to be coming twice a month. Just Chelsea news, commentary. He's obviously a Villa fan, so he'll give that perspective, you know, however that kind of fits in. JT's there for now. Um, so anyways, uh, we're super we're super excited or or as you nicknamed him in our feed in our text right brandon lord law he is coming back as lord law yeah yeah oh yeah okay. cash money I, I apologize matt please don't rip up our contract <laughs> <laughs> but either way like how exciting is this that one uh you don't have to listen to the same ad for over a year even though we appreciate you doing that uh two we've immediately been able to go out and and you know lock these people in and, and reward them for their time and their efforts they're giving to us. So uh, it's going to be super exciting. We're, we're really excited, and obviously the, the opportunities will not end there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just it made us feel really good to be able to kind of 
what you as an audience and a community have allowed us to do. That's all we're doing. We're taking the opportunities that you've given us with, you know, listening to these ads and things like that. And we're putting it right back into the show. We all still have our day jobs. This is purely a hobby still. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this, this does allow us to reinvest a little bit more in the show and and to grow our content. I mean, it's something that we always want to do. It's something we talk about every single season before we get on. It's part of the reason you guys fill out the surveys every year so that we can figure out what we need to get better on. And these guys are trying to grow a sports podcast network. It is a absolute no brainer and we are really, really excited. Indeed. All right. Enough of the fuzzy lovey stuff. It is time to get down to brass tacks. It was, we Liverpool. should just talk about blue wire. We don't need to talk about this. Just, well, it's all I, blue. Wire. Unfortunately, that's what the people have come here for some answers. They are mm. angry and upset and we are here to <laughs> deliver some therapy and some answers. So Liverpool in the Premier League this past Sunday, September 20th, uh, at Sanford Bridge, which would have been nice on a different day. Scoreline, Chelsea nil, Liverpool 2. None of us getting the score predictions, right? Nick, obviously the consolation prize for predicting a loss, reluctantly. You know, no, no, obviously pleasure there for you. Um, so to set the stage, let's go ahead and run through the highlights and the goals brought to you by the Fifth Stand app. That's right, Chelsea's official app. You should know by now. If not, go download it, check it out. Uh, here we go. Recap time. Chelsea versus Liverpool, the most played fixture in English football since the turn of the century. And in that time, it's become one of the most compelling rivalries in the game. Werner trying to get it back to him. Came off Fabinho back, Werner's way. Timo Werner! Charles Manor here. Oh, Christensen's caught him. What's Paul Tierney going to do here? It's a yellow card for now. I think he'd be lucky if he can get away with this, Christensen. Massive moment in the match right on half-time. The more you see it... I just can't see how he can get away with it. I really don't. I'm hoping and praying. He's digging into his pocket. The yellow card is being put back in and the red has come out. Amino's crossing to Mane, 1-0. Well worked, Liverpool goal. It's taken them five minutes to break the ten men of Chelsea's resistance. Substitutions will come into play as well, and those decisions at the right time to help everybody out. Oh, Kepa's giving it straight to Mane. It's going to be 2-0. It's another calamitous goal for Chelsea to concede. Liverpool haven't had to work hard for this quick-fire double for Mane after half-time. So he couldn't get it out of his feet and get the cross in. For the give and go with Mount instead. Mount's going to have a go and he grazed the roof of the net. On he goes, down he goes. Now then, was that inside the box? It was. Thiago on Werner and Chelsea have got a route back into the game. Eugenio versus Alisson then. It's saved. Where's the rebound going? Cleared away. And it's got the feeling of one of those days. And that is that. It is defeating the first home game of the season for Chelsea. Sadio Mane's quick-fire double after the restart. The final score at Stamford Bridge this afternoon. Chelsea nil, Liverpool 2. So, yeah, Sadio Mane had a day. I think that's kind of the gist of what we just went through. Uh, Dan, give us the lineups, which was... Close to what I thought. Uh, I think I get the consolation prize there. It's still not good enough. Um, so, Keppa between... Well, there was a holographic doctor from okay. Star Trek between the sticks. Okay. Uh, so the balls kind of passed right through them, which was pretty cool. Uh, then Unfair advantage, defense. by the way, for Liverpool. <laughs> Unfair advantage that we have to have a hologram. That's... Uh, uh, Keppa was between the sticks. Marcus Alonso, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, and Reese James made up our back four in a midfield of Jorginho, Conte, and Kovacic, one that we saw many times last season. We had Timo Werner, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz as our forwards. And when we looked at our substitutes, we had unused subs of Willie Caballero, Cesar Aspilicueta, Olivier Giroud, and Callum Hudson-Odoi. We did see appearances from Fakao Tamori right at halftime. Ross Barkley and Tammy Abraham, also a double sub much later in the match. We did not see Chilwell, Pulisic, Silva or Ziyech, 
on the pitch, we did get a chance to see them enjoying from the stands, the or maybe not enjoying the match, as it were. No, we did not. Um, you know, obviously, high-level stats, Chelsea with 38% possession, Liverpool 62. Liverpool, at, Liverpool had 18 shots, 6 on target. Chelsea had 5 shots, 3 on target. Out-touched us, out-passed us. We out-tackled them. We had 34 clearances to their three. So that's probably a stat line that's going to be hard to ignore. They're 11 corners to our one. Uh, We did have a yellow card and a red card to their none. So there's that. I guess, Dan, you can continue with your stats. Is The last one here is the expected goals, which we have added into the mix this season. Um, is this going to make me feel any better? No. No, Brandon. It's going to make it. you feel worse. <laughs> Expected goals of 0.2 to Chelsea plus a penalty to Liverpool's 1.6. So just very much some of the facts. Clinical, Liverpool. Not clinical, Chelsea. Oh, right. Yeah, didn't, didn't doesn't really make me feel better i mean 1.2 to 1.6 nick your tweet was hey really could have been a 1-1 draw yet we lost to nothing so if we dive into the first one trying to break down the plan right we're trying to kind of reverse engineer this match from 95th minute to the 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 pre kind of work that they did throughout the week the game seemed to shift on one key mistake from andreas christensen obviously a huge moment uh, he bear hugged Sadio Mane, took him to the ground, uh, almost a little stone cold stunner, grab him and, and take him to the turf would have been more enjoyable. Nice open field tackle NFL style. Really well done. Track down his man. Just grab. I mean, nice wrap up. Didn't have to use his shoulder. I mean, if you're, if you're coaching football, that is a prime tackle. It's well, it's well done. Well, look that, that, you know, leading up to that point, it was fairly even. But it was a moment that Christensen fell asleep, metaphorically, uh, lost Mane right down the middle of the pitch, and he was never going to catch him, obviously. So um, if we kind of go up to the red card point, essentially, uh, as far as the plan goes, I was surprised to see Alonzo personally. Uh, I'm not really surprised we did 4-3-3 to kind of match him kind of man-to-man. Uh, but anything that you saw from the beginning, especially in the midfield, because I think that's where we kind of won and lost it. Um, look, I, I I think the four three three is the is the right way to play Liverpool because if they dominate the midfield, it's over. Uh, you just you you lose automatically. So I think you have to match them. I think the question is whether Jorginho should have been a part of our midfield because um, I don't think he offered anything today. Um, you know, I think that was the the weak link. I mean, Kovacic and Conte did an okay job to carry the ball forward. I mean, Conte was stellar defensively, but uh, I think we lacked, while we did match them for numbers, we lacked any cutting edge kind of coming out of our counterattack. And if Jorginho is the holding midfielder, the regista, whatever his position is, the ball has to come out faster. I mean, we got caught in possession a number of times and, when they're pressing high and you lose the ball in your own half, I mean, it's just, it's tough to, tough to play. And I mean, I think all things considered, you look at a missed penalty from Jorginho, you look at a giveaway from Kepa. And th- the reason I felt okay out of this match is like, it could have been a hell of a lot worse with 10 men for 45 <laughs> minutes. I mean, like it, it really could have. And, and I think Dan, you look at this and, it's probably wrong to rue a missed opportunity because we probably deserve to lose, but it could on another day, it really could have been 1-1. Sure. On another day, it could have been 2-0 to Chelsea. It very, you know, we, we were, for the first 45 minutes, we held what? our own. We were involved in the match. We were getting the ball forward. But I think the, the point that you highlighted, which was the, the fact that we were going horizontal so often within our passes when it was Jorginho out to the wings with with Alonzo we were recycling and you're not going if we were trying to truly play like we we saw it in glimpses where we were actually trying to put the ball forward to get it in the path of Timo to get it in the path of a Mason or to to Havertz to move the pitch and actually stretch it vertically 
that was the way that we were going to beat this Liverpool team. Because what you see with Robertson and what you see with Trent uh, Alexander-Arnold is they go so far forward. You know, they are so deep in our half that you can get that space on the wings because the congestion then happens in your area of the pitch. So that you're really, there were opportunities where, where Timo really was one-on-one and didn't, wouldn't have had to beat more than one man, whether it was Fabinho or Virgil van Dijk, to actually get in and, and get a kind of shot across uh, Alisson. So I, I was kind of confused that we weren't trying to put players in like Barkley or maybe even bring Mason into the midfield and put Callum Hudson-Doy out or bring Giroud up, who can then play out and be a focal point, Brandon, so that we stretched vertically because we kept that we kept it too horizontal and the rate at which Jorginho, Conte in occasions in this match, uh, but also Kovacic passed horizontally, it didn't really ever let us move fast enough to take advantage of where the space was. I think that having Jorginho and Conte was a mistake because they're they they just they tend to they they don't offer anything in attack. We've seen Jorginho play an early ball in behind to Tammy once last year. But that's not his go-to. You know, 7 to 10 yards, really his comfort zone and what he does best. Conte did get forward, but, I mean, he was 10 yards out and turned around and dribbled away from goal. Uh, it's just, it's not his strong suit. So, Jorginho played deep and forced Conte forward, and... That was not good. And then Kovacic, we saw he had some good runs today. He was tidy on the ball. Look, Kovacic did what Kovacic does. Like, he showed up, did exactly what we expected. Um, Like I said, I that's why I went with Barkley in my lineup because I was thinking about it. It's like you have Conte. You can kind of lean on him defensively a little bit. Yeah, I didn't expect Thiago to play, to play at all. He just signed. Uh, you know, amazingly enough, he did get in. And so with their midfield of Wijnaldum, Keita, and Hort Gen- Jordan Henderson, that's, that doesn't scare me. Like, they're an industrial midfield, but they're not dynamic. So they're not really going to be like, like G- I think Gigi Wijnaldum probably gets the furthest forward. But, like, Conte can handle that. We can handle that. We needed Barkley to get in between their midfield and their forward line to run with the ball, even if he's going to make a bad decision. At least it gives us a chance. It was so just poorly organized in the midfield that that's why I was just really frustrated that um, having Jorginho Conte, that will never work in my opinion. Yeah, I, like your your point on on that is exactly right. I mean, you don't want anyone except for N'Golo Conte back there to provide a buffer, right? And my the point I made at halftime is, or right after halftime, is Olivier Giroud should have been brought in for Jorginho early in the second half, simply just to provide an outlet, right? To hit the ball up, for someone to be able to control the ball, and then maybe, you know, you link up with Timo or, you you know, Mason Mount makes a run from midfield or whatever. I, I just, I don't see the point of Jorginho in the way that this team is supposed to be playing right now. You've seen two games where Chelsea's been outpossessed and tried to play on the counterattack. We obviously won one of those games and now we've lost one of them. Jorginho does not work in a counterattacking system. There is just, there's not a point to that. So my hope was, and I, and I think where Frank maybe got it wrong today is that he didn't have a focal point he didn't have an outlet he didn't have if, if you're not going to play the channel ball like Arsenal did to us in the FA Cup where you just play it down the line and have your fast guy go catch it you know it happened like twice for Dima for Timo today then you need someone who's going to collect it hold it bring everyone back into play and we didn't have that at all so um that's tactically there was there was just a, a misstep there but I think where my the eye test of the game comes in, Dan, for me, uh, Nick's eye test, uh, insert stinger here, um, is counterattacking. When we did have the ball, the passing wasn't fast enough. Uh, you To beat Liverpool and to beat their fast defense, and they do have a fast defense, there's no doubt about it, they crowd, you really have to start playing balls. There were... I can remember six or seven opportunities where Timo and Kai Havertz and Mason Mount all made the right run and the ball just never went to him. And it's like, if they make the run, you have to put it on a plate. You have to get it to him. You have to allow them in space 
to do a thing and the midfield just held it too long or they did they wanted to make it and they just didn't make it and it just you have to move the ball much 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 quicker for those opportunities to work so that's what i got yeah that's the biggest challenge with where the delivery was happening for timo who i think made a ton of really really great runs today and is probably one of two to three players after this match who can hold his head pretty high as a gave it his all on the pitch to try to make something happen for us. He needs the ball to be going ahead of him. He doesn't need the ball to land on his feet and then gain control. And I think it's, there are players on this team who have not realized that he doesn't need it at his feet to go run ahead. And so if we can get that right, (laughs) he will become infinitely more dangerous. You have not seen him at his full powers. And so I would like, you know, Kovacic had one or two good balls forward. Georgina really didn't have a ton of great forward passes. Conte recycled back a little bit. Uh, You know, Mason tried to play him in well. It it was offsides, but Havertz had a really good ball that, you know, shows like what conceptually is going to happen with this attack, Brandon, that... There's the promising signs are there, but there is a lot of tinkering that's going to need to be required. And then this lineup is not the lineup we are going to see two, three, four, five, six game weeks from now. This is like a this really was like a preseason game for us, even though the points actually matter. This is not the lineup we're going to see, you know, even two game weeks from now. Yeah, but we can't wait six weeks to start playing. And that's the problem. Yeah, no other team's just going to be like, oh, well, Chelsea's hurt. Well, we're just going to wait then. I mean, you're going to lose ground. The table's going to start to settle. Well, And so I understand, I think, from a play quality standpoint, the fact of the matter is, like, we got to get results. Again, Wijnaldum, Keita, Henderson, not dynamic, not exciting. We had Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic. No, none of those guys like playing a pass more than 10, 15, maybe 20 yards if they're knocking it out wide. And so my point is, like, they were able to hit that ball to Mane that that unlocked Christensen, right, from 35, 40 yards out. And then that's the difference. They they look early. And it kind of goes back to the, obviously, Chelsea, you tweeted it. We all retweeted it. And I think we all favored it. It was just like, Chelsea don't realize how fast Werner is yet. So they're not seeing his run. So from a midfield standpoint... They're not even looking 30 yards up. They're looking for the close proximity to slowly kind of get it to wing and then work away. Like, Werner's ready. He is ready to go. Even Averts is, like, ready to go. And we're just not we're not capitalizing on the opportunities that we get. And that, I think, was just... It is not good enough from that midfield. They're good enough to do it, but they didn't pick up their heads. If, if Werner is three yards behind the last defender, he's level. <laughs> like... <laughs> That, that's the the thing you have to realize. If, like, if you're looking at the back of eleven and he's just slightly behind where the last defender is, go, <laughs> go right now because it's it's like watching a car like in the Fast and the Furious. It's like watching a car that has NOS versus one that doesn't. Like he's gonna just go, and you, and if the ball is in in play anywhere on the field, he'll go get it. Right, so. Your, your point about uh, Fabregas, is, uh, Brandon, is the one that I made in a, in a tweet earlier today. It's like, I think he'd have 30 assists in this team this year. I, I, I truly believe that ball over the top that he used to play to Costa is there all day. And it would have been there all day today. Leicester can play it. Their mm-hmm. midfield isn't better. Liverpool played it. Man United couldn't play it this last weekend, but it's in their locker. We've seen Pogba just hit a full side volley 75 yards and put it on a dime. It, and unfortunately for us, it only got worse in the second half. So this Joe stat for about Thiago is not going to make you feel good, Chelsea fans. So just, just get ready. 75. Halftime substitute Thiago completed more passes, 75, than any Chelsea player managed in the entire match. And we had Jorginho out there. And Kovacic, the tiki-taka, the little pass guys. <laughs> Since full passing data became available for the Premier League in 2003-2004, Thiago's 75 successful passes are the most by a player who played a maximum of 45 minutes. Control. 
So this team is going to get a lot more dynamic. And he was hitting these little dinks and these chips that were like dangerous and threatening. And if he's not even fine tuned yet, he doesn't, you know, it's like a quarterback receiver. They don't know their timing yet. They're like, he's like, how fast is Mane? Hmm, let me just dink one in real quick and see if he gets there. Oh, damn, he did get there. All right. Well, we can do that next time. And that's the difference is like Liverpool have a mediocre midfield. Come at me. Don't care. It's true. But they play early and let their dynamic players go. And I, I think my biggest concern from a midfield, and we can, we can wrap soon, is essentially that we don't have attacking threats right now out wide. We the had Irene. Pedro. We had William. Christian Pulisic is hurt. And we're waiting for Callum Hudson-Odoi to, to kind of find his footing. We, we went from a plethora of wide players last year to, as of right now, well, really Ziyech too. not much. Yeah, and Ziyech is injured yeah. too. To Dan's point, this will be very different. But it doesn't matter. If we don't find them and we don't get it to them early, our <sighs> attacks are going to be null and void the entire season, which is my concern. So the midfield, need to sort it out. Pick your head up. Let the super creative dynamic players forward do something. We should literally be pretending to be a Liverpool-type team this season. Dan, Dan, the irony to me is that it, of all the transfers that we've made this year, the one that I think makes us go that we missed on is Thiago. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you could make a strong argument that this this guy at our at the base of our midfield or even in one of the advanced playmaking positions sure. is just a difference maker. There is we don't have a player that fits that mold in our midfield probably. Well, that's that's why Declan Rice is on the list, right? Is that you want to bring into this midfield someone who's a little bit more of a, a generalist, right? He is not. He's a little bit more adaptable to a defensive position, but he he's just a general steal that adds into this midfield. That's going to help turn the ball back over, restart play quickly. Is he's good off of a dead ball in the way that our current crop of midfielders. All are a little specialized in that regard. Like Jorginho, very specialized. Kovacic, a little bit specialized. Great defensively, very poor attacking. You have, you know, Havertz. You have you know, Ziyech, depending on where you call him, a forward or a midfielder. So we're very specialized, and we don't have a little bit of that kind of dual threat. And I think that's where why Declan is going to be pursued pretty heavily between now and the end of the window. We, we don't have we don't have a midfielder capable of the passes Tiago can make though. I, like in in Declan's yeah. not going to solve that problem. He's going to <laughs> he's going to add a lot potentially to the team. I say potentially with a wink and a nod obviously, but uh, there's we we need to figure out if Kovacic or if Mount or if someone or if it's Havertz in an 8, right? Or if someone could make that ball because for for Chelsea this year, and I know we're obsessing over this point, but it's it's a point worth making because you see the opportunity. For Chelsea this year, with the speed that we're going to have in Pulisic, Ziyech, Callum, Tammy, all those guys, that ball is going to be there. If you play it, my, my guess is at some point we're going to convert some of those chances and it'll be fun and exciting and it'll be the kind of Chelsea that we used to maybe have under, you know, when Robin and Duff were here, right? Like those types of players. So... I think we're all hungry for it. It's just we don't I don't know if we have the talent right now to pull that off. All right. Dan, I'm just gonna end this and I'm not gonna give you any rebuttal because that's <laughs> how life works. The only thing I saw Declan Rice doing was chasing against Arsenal. He did, didn't really do much. He was just chasing a lot. Again, that's because West Ham are miserable. Uh almost pulled off a great tie, but they didn't. They uh let let Arsenal win it late. So, anyways, um, midfield issues we're gonna wrap that one up uh we're gonna take a quick break when we get back Fick is back all right that's exciting but then we're gonna talk about what did and didn't did not work in the defense and obviously what questions do we still have and who's our unsung hero so again thanks to these new sponsors for supporting the show financially for naz for matt and for chelsea youth so anyways we will be right back even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. 
You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com forward slash podcast. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com forward slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Fellas, 2020 has made it hard for us to stay as hygienic as we should be. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped have made it easier to do just that. Manscaped is on a mission to change the grooming game with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products, and they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. As I am the hairiest person on this show, Brandon and Dan both elected for me to do this ad read. But, to their chagrin, I actually own Manscaped products already, including the Lawnmower 2.0 trimmer, but they have gone and done even better. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replacement ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps to reduce grooming accidents, which is a very good thing. The waterproof technology also allows for you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their perfect package comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to complete your grooming routine. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free so that you know you're in good hands. They even have a crop reviver to keep you fresh in the steamiest of conditions. Their foot duster foot deodorant is so good that it can reduce even the odor of the smelliest, dirtiest feet. All of this means that in the middle of the summer, with peak humidity, that you're doing everything you can to stay fresh. Use the code LONDONISBLUE and get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. If you want to do a better job of grooming, all you have to do is go to their site, hit a few buttons on your phone, and you will change your life for the better. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LONDONISBLUE, all one word. Upgrade your grooming routine with the luxury products of Manscaped. Fick is back, surprisingly. Not, not, not according to plan, but he was on the bench. Rudiger was not. I don't know if I need to get into that as a different discussion, but the fact of the matter was he was on the bench, which meant he was available, which means he got in. Because as we talked earlier, Andreas Christensen, terrible decision-making, just poor, poor, poor. Nick, I don't want to keep gassing you up. It's a little annoying, actually. But to be fair, you made a good point on your tweet that 11 versus 11 against Liverpool down a goal is infinitely better than nil-nil and down a man. That is correct. I don't see another way to argue it. You can come at me and try and argue it. Some people did. I swatted them away. Because, I, I like, look, dude. They're the best team in the league. They won the league by 30 points last year. They have dynamic playmakers all over the field. You were already stretched with 11. So now you're going to play 10 and expect to get a result. And we almost did. But, like, you can't... Imagine if you had 11 on the pitch. Imagine if you had Giroud added to the mix. Or if you had Tammy added to the mix instead of in replacement of somebody. Like, it's it's a silly argument to have. Um, but I, I think the point that we wanted to make with this section is... When Fikayo Tamori was called upon in replacement of Kai Havertz, which was harsh, obviously, every time you have a red card, the person that gets taken off, it's a harsh thing for them to go through, no matter which stage of the game they're at, but especially at halftime. Fikayo Tamori came on, and outside of a deflection that Kepa ended up saving, best moment of his game by far, um, the goalkeeper claps. <laughs> um, Fikayo Tamori was phenomenal. I, I really, everyone knows that I root for him I, almost as hard as I root for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. We got to interview him. We were really impressed by him. And we hadn't seen him for eight months. And this was a, a really hard situation for him to come into a match, Dan, uh, with knowing that it was going to be a stretch, knowing that Liverpool were going to come at him as the new guy on the pitch. He acquitted himself incredibly well. Aerial duels were great. Speed was great. He looked like he was back. It was awesome. That told me a couple of things. One, it told me that Frank potentially thinks that Aspie isn't 100% ready to go. 
you know, obviously as we ended the end of last season, you think that maybe if you are going to bring in an extra defender, you potentially bring Alonzo out, you know, put Asby on the wing. You know, that, that gives you some, some additional options there for your, your back line um, or potentially put him in the, the, you know, the center back role. Um, Fakayo has a lot of great awareness. He you know, showed last time when he got a chance to play Liverpool that he could do the job versus Salah. And Salah is, you know, one of the best forwards in both the Premier League and in world football. And so if you're getting a result there, you know, you need to kind of stand up and take notice. But I mean, he hadn't played since February 29th for Chelsea. That was last season. That was pre-lockdown. And it was a 2-2 draw versus Bournemouth. And I think now the question has to be why when you bring him in and you see him show resilience, uh, be calm and composed, you know, do well with clearances, do well intercepting the ball, had some some good duels where he was able to kind of uh, reclaim possession and did so in a very natural way. And you know, we've talked, Brandon, about the need for potentially that Zuma and Tomori pairing to be restored because it was an effective partnership for us last season. Obviously been a lot of conversation about Fakayo potentially going alone, but now with, uh, with Christensen being out for three games with Thiago still not hundred percent fit with Rudiger not making the bench, which Lampard says, Hey, yo, you could always, Talk to him about any four to five players about why they didn't make the bench for a match. A little, a little flippant there, Dan. I think potentially from Frank. <laughs> a <laughs> and little flippant. Matt put an article. Matt Law put an article about how Rudiger is. They're looking for suitors for him too. So it might even go deeper than than that. Well, think about it. Less than a year left on a deal for a player who's had major knee surgery before, and you know, if you sign him to another new contract, it's going to be the last contract he gets with Chelsea. So lots to consider there. But you know, I, I think in this regard. I think Fick is trying to show some fight and trying to win an argument right now. And credit to him with that 45 minutes of showing up and locking in in a way that some of the other players didn't play this game. Minor clarification, Rudiger's contract expires 2022, but we're nearing the end of his contract, which is important. Once you get into 18 months, things start to change. And he's 27. You know, he'll turn 28. I don't know. It doesn't matter. So, yes, he uh, he is at a crossroads of his career independently of what he's doing in Chelsea. Is he going to sign the next deal to take him over the 30-year-old mark, which means in Chelsea's world, unless you're Thiago Silva, you're gone. You're, you're, you're adios. Um, but he, here's the thing. Frank did not consistently play a center back pairing last season at all. We started with Christensen Zuma. We had seven right. different combinations. That's I mean, it's, exactly it's crazy. So you're like, oh, hey, two matches in a row. And I think we've all predicted that. Like, I think we all got the, the Christensen Zuma combo right in our predictions. Because you know that if we win, same center back pairing for sure. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't have Christensen, which you thought he was kind of settled on. For, for three matches. The last thing and, and the last thing I want to see, because eventually Thiago Silva's going to Isn't it just in. one match, by the way? Because it wasn't violent conduct. It was just a straight red. Either way, there's a suspension. I'll give you that. Yeah. But like, is, Lampard gonna, is Lampard going to trust Christensen kind of again? Like, or is he going to take him a while? Or is it, it this, this merry-go-round? And what we don't want to see is this revolving door of partnerships again. And now we have goalkeeper problems. And you're potentially, sounds like Edouard Mendy has signed for Chelsea. So now it's like you're going to add a new goalkeeper to a, an unstable back line. No one's winning right now defensively. Like, I know I complained about you win and lose in the midfield. You can literally say that about any match. But defensively, they have to be a unit. Alonzo's not going to be there long. So now you're adding Chilwell to the mix. To me, it's like, I am just so concerned that we have no idea what our center back situation is. And Tiago Silva doesn't speak great English, as Lampard has said. And I've heard other people say it's not that big of a deal. But it's a part of the deal. 
So how do we get across this stuff? So anyways, maybe they go Zuma just out of the beginning so they can speak French together. Edouard Mendy is going to be able to speak French. I'm just saying, like, this is a big problem to me, no matter if it's the second match or the 22nd match of this season. And it's already an issue. Um, but I like Fick. I like seeing him in there. I'm, I'm happy when Fick plays. It makes sense. It just makes sense. Fikata Tamori's ceiling is potentially higher than any other central defender that we have. Like, why wouldn't you give him the opportunity to make something happen and see if you have what you think you have? Like, the the Rudiger Christensen out thing has always made more sense to me. Not only could you recoup more potentially in a transfer fee, but there's like you kind of know what their ceilings are at this point. You know, I think we all recognize that if Christensen goes, he's probably going to be a stud in Europe somewhere else, right? He's probably going to be a stud in Germany or Spain. If Rudiger goes, you know, you kind of know where his ceiling's at and he's older. Fick, I think I'm making the argument because I just believe in him. I think Fick has to stay. And whether he's your, your everyday starter or not, it doesn't, you know, I don't know if how that's going to work, but... Man, what you saw today from him and Zuma working together collectively, aerially, that's the best partnership we have by a country mile. And Fick's I don't think got hops. Yeah, I don't think Tiago Silva even necessarily factors in from an aerial perspective. Like, I think he's much more of a ball playing center back, especially at his age now. Like, they were the clearances, that number is not a mistake. Like, those guys were everywhere. And that's actually a credit to the defense in this game. I thought they were much better aerially. Well, Zuma participated really well in helping to clear the ball Monster. out. And I've greatly appreciated, you know, we looked much better on set piece and dead ball activity. So, and, and I think there was a good comment from our friend Phil who mentioned that Barry, the manager or the kind of coach who came in from Wigan, has really been kind of training that. And we are starting to see a little bit of that man plus zonal marking, which is producing some some better performances on set pieces, which is very nice to see. Um, I think the one interesting thing, right? Like Fick may go, Fick may not go, Fick may stay and fight for a spot. Fick might, you know, be a starting center back for us this season. And the one thing I did want to call out, which was a little odd this week was when people had photos of like his residence at Cobham and like moving boxes or trying to kind of like claim that like, Oh, I guess he's on the move now. Like, I know that we're super obsessed as a culture with like wanting to know what's happening with players and stuff. That felt like the steviest thing I've seen in our like community in a while. And just, you know, I don't know. I, I think we should kind of be better than posting photos into someone's like living space and be like, Oh, I see moving boxes. Cause that can mean any number of things, not just that, you know, you're about to go transfer away to a different team, to a different club uh, for the remainder of the season. Correct. I usually, you you leave on a plane and then they move your stuff for you. It happens that quickly. <laughs> yeah, you're Fikayo's not me. Fikayo doesn't have to pack his own things if he goes <laughs> like I the the apartment that I just moved into, they didn't come to my place and pack my shit for me. Like they, no. I that was a me thing, you know. He could I missed the man long tweet about that. <laughs> he could just be moving to a new pad, new location. Um anyways, so Statistically, Tomori was excellent. Uh, eye test, excellent. Um, he's six one. Zuma six three. Tiago Silva six foot. Uh, just for some reference there, uh, because I know a lot of people like to talk about the height as we get into that. But again, we didn't sign uh, Tiago Silva for his height. We we signed him for his his leadership and his organizational and his ability to play the ball. So I know, obviously, as we as we rounded into the forty fifth minute here of the of the pod, that Keppa hasn't overly been brought up I when we were talking about the script I said hey we don't have to avoid it right um look there's a bad that, day that's good because we won't <laughs> a, ba a bad day out I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's like it's, it's not good right we we know especially the second goal the first goal you can blame on the defense for giving up a free header six yards out right you know he was he was doing well. You know, I know Louis Benaventi said that he thought it was Keppa's fault for coming out and putting Christensen in that situation. I understand that him coming out made Christensen probably freak out a little bit, but what an interesting decision for Christensen to still do that. Uh, he punched across. He chased a ball to the box 
unnecessarily. You can tell that he feels the pressure to increase his presence inside the box. I think that is very obvious. He is putting himself in uncomfortable situations in an attempt to grow as a player and become better. With that being said, the second goal that he gave up is something I gave up two weeks ago in my league game. Like, I mishit a pass and just went right to him. The difference is I'm not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. And to me, this just goes back to the fact that a great goalkeeper over his career isn't really going to be that noticeable. He's just going to be a solid rock of the team. It's not going to cost you. Probably not going to do anything magnificent. They're just going to be consistent. And the problem for Kepa right now is he's anything but consistent. And also because he's trying to expand into becoming a more a bigger presence in the box. So I I'll let you guys kind of say like obviously no one's going to be more upset about the match day than him. Um Chidge has said it. Uh V Factor 7 has said it. Um some other people I think are rightly having the conversation. Oh, son of Chelsea said it, Dan Childs. And just saying he is a human. The amount of things that are being said to him might be just over the top personal attacks. Like he's the, there's a there's no lonelier position in a team than goalkeeper. It is just true. Because no matter what, even if it's your fault or not that we got scored on, it's your fault. Nine times out of ten. So I would just remind everyone to he's a Chelsea player. We all know he's not the one we want. Don't don't personally attack him, berate him. He has enough problems going on. You know he knows how bad it's going for him. But you got. I think we really have to just address this as a, as a group and just say, be careful what you're saying. He can he can be not good enough, but he's still one of ours, and and you have to balance that. So, anyways, you guys can go back to the the technical tactical stuff if you want. Uh, I think it's become irresponsible of. Frank to put Keppa in our starting lineup. I, I think from a results standpoint, and then also for for Keppa as an individual, it, this is clearly not a level of competition that he is comfortable or confident in anymore. And it shows in the misplaced pass. It shows in trying to beat Salah in a foot race, which is not great decision making. It. it I, I I hear everything that you're saying, Brandon, and I think it, it's so important, you know, especially when you think about like mental health and mental wellness. Like this is probably not the probably one of the lowest points in Keppa's career to have gone from, you know, a Europa League winning season under Misa Sari to last season under Frank to now the start of this season. It's just kind of hit after hit for this guy and it's not going well, beat after beat. So, you know, Nick, I don't know how you feel, but I I just, I can't envision unless Mendy or Caballero were to get injured later this season or either of them were to have the most drastic form that Kepa sees a starting lineup the rest of the season. Yeah, it kind of felt like the end of day, didn't it? Um, And, you know, I I think Chidge being kind of a a person who's in in the psychotherapy profession made some good points um it, it's an interesting thing because like i think i think back to some of the you know just in my in my line of work right if i feel confident heading into a pitch or heading into a project versus if i have no idea what's going on just me personally right i will speak to this the difference of output is dramatic right and he Keppa looks like a guy who is just trying so hard and it, to his credit, like it, you have to, you know, it, to look like you're trying so hard, you're trying so hard. Right. Like, so it's not, it's not a lack of effort thing. I think it's just misplaced effort. Uh, he's, he's just not built for the league uh, and he's, he's not built for Lampard and just like Jorginho potentially just like Rudiger potentially just like some of these guys, like, Every time there's a managerial switch, some people get left out of that that puzzle, right? You're, you're, you're a piece that doesn't fit. So I don't want to 
I'm not ever going to personally slander him. You know, I think that that's the wrong thing to do. I'm not going to, you know, call his house and prank call him or whatever, but it's just clear that that's not, it's just not working. So I think we can leave well enough alone there and say, you know, thanks for, thanks for this to the, that you got us to this point. And, uh, Mendy and Caballero are now going to take us forward and, you know, let's hope that we can find him alone or something where he can regain his confidence because, a confident Keppa, the guy who who saved the penalty against Frankfurt, uh, that he, they saved between his legs, is not the guy that we get right now. I will stand by what I said in the Mendy pod. That Mendy, this is going to sound funny. Mendy will provide real challenge for Keppa that he hasn't had in his time at Chelsea. Some people turn up in those environments because you have to remember. Keppa had a ton of competition to get to this level. Maybe he came to Chelsea, kind of cleared everyone else out and said, hey man, it's yours. I'm not saying he's going to come great overnight. I'm just saying a few months down the road, we might see a better Keppa. He plays in the Carabao Cup, plays in the FA Cup. All of a sudden he's looking confident. You know, he's looking a little bit more, more capable. We'll see. I'm just throwing that out there. I said it in the Mendy pod. I still think that's what we're going to see. But you're right, guys. It's going to be Caballero and and Mendy as as the one-two until Kepa has some time to really let everything wash off of him and kind of be able to come at it with a fresh approach mentally. Like, there's, it is so hard to rebound mentally when you're at this point as a goalkeeper because a lot has to go your way before mm-hmm. you even have a hint of confidence to be able to go back and compete. So I would hope that they would protect him for a while. Uh, Frank was very positive about, hey, he's in, he's ours. He's in our family. We're going to take care of Keppa. Media's trying to bait Lampard to throw him under the bus and essentially give him this stay of execution. Like It's good on Frank. Fans, let's follow in the footsteps. So, um Anyways, I'm sure there'll be a lot of discussion about that, but I've kind of said my piece. I don't really have more to say on it. So last one up here before we get into the Dan of the Match review. Um, what questions are we still asking? Do I have answers to? I said center backs, and we already discussed that, so I will move over. Dan, you have an interesting one. I will not steal your thunder this time. I will let you present it to our lovely audience. I think it's who takes penalties for Chelsea. I think the penalty take from Jorginho today, where clearly he was using the Bruno Fernandes method, did not go over too well <laughs> against Alisson, who did a fantastic job in just waiting and waiting and waiting. And the problem with Jorginho's take is it's so light that it doesn't travel fast enough. So if you can wait and hold and guess the right side, a very, very tall keeper is going to have a very easy time kind of putting that. I just, I, I really hate weird takes on penalties. I want someone to just walk up and, and knock it and fizz it by. And I think it's time to consider Timo Werner uh, or Kai Havertz as the next penalty taker for Chelsea. I just think it, it's... Jorginho's been really good in the Premier League, but I also think that Jorginho won't be a mainstay of the team. And so I would rather switch to a person now who's going to play the majority of minutes in the Premier League. I wish we would have tried to get Timo off of his duck today like i wish he would have had the chance he earned the penalty you know but two now two yeah, penalties I, he's earned two back-to-back I, games i understand why Jorginho took the penalty i understand the order and and i respect the order but yeah it's tough um my, mine is the unsung question for my or uh, the sorry the question still to answer for me is Havertz's best position Center we, forward. We can tell you what he's not the best at. <laughs> center forward, maybe, maybe not. Um, right wing, dicey. I want to see him as an eight. I really do. I want to see him as an eight because I think back to our original kind of uh, first section here, he is a guy who can put a ball in. We we saw the highlights of him do it. So I, I think maybe Frank got a little bit of of the lineup balance wrong today but i would like to see havertz play as an eight all right and then real quick unsung hero of the match uh dan and i went mason mount my reasoning is that he continues to sacrifice his best position and his best skill set for the team we had no one else to play out there 
He doesn't offer a lot going forward in that position, but he offers a lot defensively going to that position. He will track back. He will make runs. He will harass uh, their defenders, and it almost came off. I know a lot of people, um, couch critic Dennis, I know you were upset with Mount. I saw it in the, in the tweets. Uh, I understand that, but on Mason Mount in his best position, similar to what Nick just said with Kai Roberts, it's not that. He's not a winger. He's not a seven. He's not an 11. He's a six. And no, I'm sorry, he's an eight. He, honestly, that is his best position. We want to see Mount and Roberts in the middle together, anchored by Angola Conte. That's what we want to see this season going forward. I don't know what you felt like, Dan, but. Yeah, two things that I really liked. One, he had Roberts in on lockdown, right? He was really struggling, obviously, against Lamptey. Lamptey just has so much pace on Mason, and Mason did, I think, a pretty good job on him, actually, in the mm-hmm. right match, surprisingly. I think he basically made Robertson a non-threat on the left-hand side and was really sacrificing so that you know Havertz and, and Werner could really get forward, which was, was great to see. It, it made it so much easier for our defense on, on Robertson's side. And the other thing is he was also one of two players to take a shot from outside the box, and his actually came relatively close. Um, so credit to that, because I think also that's a little bit of an infuriating thing occasionally. And so that's another thing that I think he needs to be confident taking more shots like that, uh, especially when he's, he's kind of out in the wing or, or just trying to be a utility player. And I think it's going to be up to Frank to figure out where to play him regularly, just to save him from some of the, the slander that he seems to get, um, you know, for trying to do the best for the team. Nick and Golicante, huh? 10 out of 10 today. Absolute dynamo. I mean, I, I know that we haven't mentioned him really into this point. I mean, a little bit in the midfield section, but silky smooth on the ball defensively everywhere. I mean, the amount of times where he was in or around Sadio Mane, even though Sadio Mane had an amazing game, was insane. I mean, Sadio, Sadio Mane couldn't get rid of him. I mean, it, it was just buzzing around. He ended up taking over the the deep-lying role when Jorginho was subbed off. Like, it, it was... I, I really think N'Golo Conte at the peak of his powers makes this team so dangerous. <laughs> like... So dangerous, and if he's able to play in that deep-lying role this year and free up some of our attacking players to do what they do, win. The only reason he's unsung is he's so quiet. He doesn't say it himself. All right, Dan, take us out of this one. Dan of the match, and then I'll run us to the table. How did it go for yeah. you? How you feeling? Well, it's good. You know, I think I think Werner could have been in here too. I maybe shaded a little bit to the fact that if you don't score, I don't know if I could put you in a, a man of the match or Dan of the match poll. So that's Savage. that's on me. Come at me. Uh, not at Nick, not at Brandon. They don't run the Twitter account. If it's in an all-caps tweet, that's usually Nick, so that's your kind of indication on what's going on there. All right. But, uh, all Conte, right. All right. <laughs> Conte, Nick, was not the unsung hero from the voters in the Dan of the match poll because he won it, ran away with it, 45% to the 4% for Mount, the 21.5% for Tamori, and the 28.7% for Zuma. So Conte is the day in the match for this. I bet you got in trouble for putting Mount in there. Yeah, a couple tweets. It's okay. Yeah. I can live. I, I, I think that's a little generous, even though he's Mount's on here. Um, table as it stands, which this is weird still to me that Villa and Man City have yet to have played a single match. I know they're playing on Monday, but it's just weird looking at the table and seeing that. So uh, Lester back on top of the table, just like it was a few years back. Um, them and Everton undefeated and Arsenal and Liverpool and, and Palace because it's the beginning of the season. So, of course, Crystal Palace are up there. Uh, then in sixth are Tottenham, Wolves, Brighton, Leeds, Chelsea in 10th uh, with our 1-0-1 record. Then we've got Newcastle, Villa, Man City. I mean, Man City just embarrassingly in 13th place with zero points after zero matches played. Uh, Burnley, Manchester United, that felt good i you know what forget the match review i'm mentally going back to manchester united losing that was much much more enjoyable they're in 15th place uh sheffield united west ham Fulham, southampton and west brom who are our next opponents in the premier league um west I, brom are terrible oh great 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 chance to oh. shuffle your lineup and not lose a lot just saying 
maybe a goalkeeper, maybe a center back, maybe four new attackers. I don't know, just spitballing. Um, but our next match is actually against Barnsley in the League Cup. That is right. Barnsley is is how you say it. Um, I don't know anything about them. Don't ask me. Go look it up, okay? All I know is that if we win, I guess we play Tottenham or something like that in the next in the next round. So that's annoying. Small well, club. Well, Tottenham in North have London. to win. Fair. Uh, otherwise, we'll play Leighton Orient, which we have not played them since the '60s. Or sorry, the '80s or the '60s. I, Bring I've on tweet, the Orient. Like Thirty-eight the plus Leighton's. years since we played them, which would be the O's. We would play the O's. Uh, so that's uh, of right. course it's going to happen. Mm. Okay, yeah, we'll probably see Tottenham. That'd be obnoxious. Uh, they banged <laughs> a few in today, but I don't really care. Look, Chelsea fans. Uh, it's not all lost. All right. It is still early days, but look, we got to get it together. All right. We've made some big signings this summer. We've splashed the cash. We've made our intentions known. Um, we got to come good on it. And thankfully we have Barnsley and West Brom the rest of this week. That is a really good week to catch up, get some confidence, get our footing back on solid ground. So let's go take care of business. Dan and Nick, gentlemen, thank you as always for being here. Listener, though, you are the best part. Uh, chat with us, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. I think we have a lot of content coming at you guys again this week. So buckle in, appreciate it. Go check out Blue Wire uh, and their website of all their different shows they're at and hit us up with any questions you have about that. But it is time to wrap. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.